God, the things that we're in need of, the things that we need to hear from you, God, I pray that you would speak into our lives and we would hear and receive what you're saying. God, I pray that we'd just be sponges who would absorb your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series here at Chick Connection entitled, She's Off to Boot Camp. And we are doing this series just really to help us solidify some things in our lives and to help nurture that transformation process that is ongoing as long as we are on this earth, right? Because none of us are perfected and as long as we are here on this earth, we are still works in progress. And that transformation work on the inside is still happening continually every day, no matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been walking with God. It is a continual process. And we've got to be women who realize that when we give our lives to God, that we have this bit of a battle that goes on between the spirit and the flesh. The word tells us that. And the spirit of God comes to dwell in us and is saying, come on, sweetheart, I've got purpose, I've got plans, I've got a great life for you. And the spirit's calling us, but then there's our fleshly sinful nature and the enemy that's wanting us to go in a different direction direction to keep us from all that God has for us. So we've just got to be wise women that recognize this battle and learn how to navigate it. And just like a soldier goes to boot camp before being sent to battle, that's what we're doing here at Chick Connection, a little spiritual boot camp for the girls so that we can see that transformation process continue and really be the women that God created us to be. And so over the last several weeks, we've been talking about several things, about what that battle really is and where it really takes place and who it's really against. And we talked the last couple weeks about the protection of the armor that we've been given and what that really means and how to live in that daily. And so if you've missed any of the sessions of Chick Connection in this season, you can catch up with us, listen online, listen to the podcast, and we're just going to keep going forward and letting God do what he wants to do in us. So today, we are going to talk about the fact that we have been entrusted with weapons. Girls, did you know you've been given weapons? Now, some of you might be the kind of girls in this room that say, yeah, weapons, bring them on, I'm ready. And others of you may be the kind of girls, oh, weapons? <laughs> and some of you might be somewhere in between. But you know what? It's not that kind of weapons. So take a deep breath, and we're going to see what kind of weapons we really have been given. And if you've got your Bibles with you, I just encourage you to really follow along, mark your pages, take notes, because we're talking about some verses that are really foundational to what God is speaking into our lives, okay? So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's totally okay, because the verses will be on the screens. And I'm going to read these verses to you today from the Amplified Bible. 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. I love these verses because they really lay the groundwork for us. They really lay out the ground rules for weapons. How many of you think if 
weapons are gonna be put in someone's hand, they need to have a good understanding and know the ground rules for the weapons. So this verse tells us three things very clearly. First of all, it makes it clear to us that our weapons are spiritual, okay? They're not physical weapons, they are spiritual. That's number one. Number two, it tells us the purpose of our weapons. The purpose of our weapons is to destroy everything that sets itself up as contrary to God in our lives. In this verse, we saw that it says that these weapons are for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds and everything that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. That's the purpose of the weapons that we have been given. And then thirdly, it tells us the method, how we are to use these weapons to tear those things down. We use these weapons to take captive anything that is contrary to God in our lives. Our thoughts, our motives, our reasonings and theories, our pride. We use these weapons to take those things captive into the obedience of God. So we're gonna see a little more clearly how we do that with the specific weapons that we've been given. So we're gonna be talking about a couple of weapons, but today we're gonna just focus on the first one, okay? We're gonna talk about the sword that we have been given. Now last week we talked about the armor and we ended there in Ephesians 6 verse 17 right before we got to that last piece, that sword of the Spirit. In Ephesians 6 17 it says, and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. Ladies, we've been entrusted with that sword, the sword of the Spirit. We have been given a spiritual sword it's this right here, this Word of God, the Bible. But you know what? I think that many Christians today are going around using this spiritual weapon on those that they consider to be physical enemies. Beating people over the head with the Word, quoting scriptures at anyone who they feel is contrary to God's ways and God's purposes beating them up, throwing scripture in their face, pounding them over the head with the word of God. Is that what we're called to do? No. Remember, who is our battle against? It's a spiritual battle against the enemy. Our battle is not with people. It is not on earthly and physical terms. We just read the verses in 2 Corinthians 10. It says that we are refuting arguments, theories, reasonings, pride, thoughts that are contrary to God. So let me ask you a question. Can we take someone else's thoughts, theories, reasonings captive? No. It's our own. Remember, we talked about and we looked at scriptures to show us where does the battle take place? in our mind. Some of you have been paying attention. Good job. <laughs> the battle takes place here. It's where the battlefield is because all those thoughts are coming at us in our mind, in the core of our being. And so we've got to remember who our battle is against. It's against the enemy, against lies that he would throw at us, thoughts that would come from him. And we've got to be that warrior who will rise up and be willing to capture our thoughts and bring them in obedience to Christ. John 1.1 says that Jesus and the Word are one. So that means we are to bring our thoughts in obedience to this Word, to what lines up with the Word of God. But you know, as I talk to different believers, I have had some interesting conversations about this topic, and I've come to learn that there's a little bit of confusion about how we do this, about how we take our thoughts captive. I've had numerous people tell me, I've been praying, asking God to take my thoughts captive, and
and it just hasn't happened yet, and I don't know what the problem is, and I'm praying, I'm praying. It doesn't say God takes our thoughts captives. What does the verse say? It says, we lead every thought and purpose captive. We've got to recognize our part. We're the ones that take those thoughts captive. It's so simple, at least it's simple to say, right? <laughs> but we're going to talk about how to walk it out. But I want to give you three really simple steps to how we do this. If we're going to be women who are effective at using that sword of the spirit that we've been given to take our thoughts captive, there's three things we've got to get good at. Okay? If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. First thing is we must know what we're thinking about. We talked about it a couple weeks ago that the average person thinks around 70,000 thoughts per day. Most of us have no clue what half of them were at the end of the day, especially as girls, because they're all intertwined and connect with one another, and it becomes a big blur at the end of the day. But we've got to get good at recognizing where our thought life is, what we are spending our thoughts on. What do you think about? Have you stopped to think about it? Have you ever stopped to think about what you think about? <laughs> Hopefully, over the last couple of weeks, as we've been talking about this, you've started to recognize things that you think about. But so often, we don't ever realize what we think about. So let's talk about some main categories of thoughts, main areas that our thoughts fall into. I think a lot of our thoughts fall into some general categories. First of all, I think a lot of our thoughts fall into the category of entertainment. Have you ever stopped to think about that? We thumb through magazines, might be on baking, on gardening, on decorating, on fashion. We spend time entertaining ourselves with those types of things. Now, I'm not saying that any of these things are bad. We're just going to recognize where we expend our thoughts, okay? So sometimes we spend our thoughts on that sort of thing, maybe on reading novels. I always think about my grandma. My grandma loved murder mysteries, and she always had a paperback murder mystery in her purse, wherever she was. If she had any downtime, she was reading The Whodunit. And <laughs> when it's downtime for you and you have a few free moments, what do you fill your thoughts with? Maybe for some, it's social media. In today's world, we all tend to spend some time there, seeing what's going on on Instagram, on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, of course. Can't miss what's happening there. What new thing can I search on Pinterest? I love Pinterest. But we expand some of our thought process there, <clears throat> right? All right. Maybe for some, we spend time watching TV. Did you know that our thoughts that we expend on TV are not solely while we're watching the program? At least I don't know about you, but that can be the case for me sometimes. For example, last week, I remember, we were watching one of those police detective shows before we went to bed. And I kept falling asleep while I'm watching. And then the next morning when I got up, I realized that for about the first half hour I was awake, my thoughts kept going, now wait a minute, now who did it? Now what happened now? Who was the bad guy? Who was the good guy? What they do to him? How did what? And, and <laughs> all of this stuff was going through my head the next morning. <laughs> and I had to stop and realize and laugh at myself. I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> What is going on up here? Nonsense that doesn't need to be going on up there. I can find better things to expend my thought life on. And so we've got to just start recognizing where do we spend our thoughts. For some, maybe it's on movies or shopping or games. Maybe you're a, um, a gamer, but I was going to say... Um, 
solitaire, Sudoku, Sudoku, however you say it, I'm not sure, um, cards, whatever it is. Maybe you expend a lot of your energy and your thought process there. It, part of our entertainment thoughts can be just on time with friends, and that's good too. But we've got to recognize that our entertainment thoughts, the thought life that we, how do I say this? The thoughts that we expend on entertainment, sometimes they can be positive. They can be good things because the word says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine and time with good friends can be a good thing. But sometimes they can be negative things that tear us down. Sometimes they can just be idle, nonsense things that just kind of waste our thought life, right? So we've got to realize, so that's one category. Maybe we have a lot of thoughts being expended towards entertainment. Another category might be responsibilities. I want you to jot down some of these categories because I'm going to ask you to do something with them in a little bit. So entertainment, next is responsibilities. Maybe you spend a whole lot of time thinking about your household responsibilities. I've got to do the laundry. What am I going to make for dinner? Well, I've got to pay the bills. Who's going to clean this bathroom? I've got to take care of this. I've got to do that. And which child is going to do this chore this day? And am I going to have to go back and redo it after them? And um, all of the things that that you think about and all of the lists that you make and maybe it's household things maybe uh, it's job responsibilities or other things that you are responsible for that you expend your thought life thinking about those responsibilities making your lists I'm a big list maker I expend a lot of thoughts making lists and so we can expend our thoughts on responsibilities some of our thoughts get used on negative things like worry, like fear, like anxiety, or frustration. Anybody ever get frustrated? Seems like when we get frustrated about something, we think on it over and over again. Maybe we've been hurt and we're thinking on that situation that caused that hurt, that disappointment, that discouragement. Maybe there's lies from the enemy that are replaying over and over in your mind. There can be all kinds of negative thoughts that could have to do with just about anything. Some of those negative thoughts may come from the entertainment that we're expending our thoughts on. Some of the negative thoughts might come from the responsibilities that we're worrying about. But we can have all kinds of negative thoughts over relationships, over financial pressures, over health situations. We've got to recognize the worry, the fear, the anxiety, the things we think about that are negative. We can expend a lot of our thought life on negative things. Another category is selfish thoughts. Surely nobody in this room ever has any selfish thoughts. I wish, I want, I need, I deserve. Why are they doing that to me? Why aren't they doing that for me? analyzing past conversations. Why did I say it like that? Why didn't I say it like this? What about this? Why didn't I do that? Why did I do this? Thinking about me, 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 me. A lot of our thought life is expended on thoughts that revolve around me, myself, and I. <laughs> Another category. So those are just some categories. There's many others, but I think a lot of our thoughts fall into categories like that. But then there are the fruitful God thoughts. The thoughts that get God involved in our lives, conversations with him, prayer, reading the word, times of worship. But ladies, I have a question for you. Did you know that we can have thoughts that include God that are not fruitful God thoughts? How many of you ever have conversations with God? Saying, God, I don't understand. They did this, they did that. Why did they do this? I'm so upset about this. I can't believe that. How could this happen? And then we run off on our way. See you later, God. Was that a conversation with God? Getting God involved? 
No, it was a complaint list that just had Dear God written at the top. <laughs> Conversations are two-sided. Conversations talk and listen. Conversations with God, when we want God to be involved in our lives, it means we're, we may pour it all out to him, but then we say, okay, God, examine my heart. Show me where I need to make adjustments. Speak to me. Give me wisdom in this situation. Sometimes we can have so-called prayers that really don't get God involved at all. We can even read our Bible without making any connection with God. Did you know that? I know you do. <laughs> have you ever read a chapter in your Bible and got finished and you have no idea what you just read? However, you do know what you need to get from the grocery store later that day. <laughs> you know, multitasking is not always a blessing. <laughs> We're women and we multitask and sometimes we can be reading the Bible and thinking about everything else and not even have a clue what we read. That is not getting God involved in our lives. That is not making that connection, letting his word be alive in us when we don't even know what it was that we read. It can happen in worship. We can have our hands raised and sing our little hearts out and our brain can be somewhere completely different thinking about something else. Surely nobody in this place did that this morning, of course. <laughs> But it can happen. And so we've got to realize, hey, there is a battle for our thoughts. The enemy wants us to be distracted, wants us to get our thoughts off of God. And we have got to recognize that we have control over what goes on up here. We've got to learn to recognize what we are thinking about. We can come to church. We can come to Chick Connection and walk away not receiving anything, just feeling like, oh, that was fun to see the girls, because we didn't absorb the word. We didn't let it sink in. We weren't really hearing with our hearts. God wants there to be fruitful thoughts in our lives. We've got to be women that learn how to recognize what we are thinking about. He wants us to have the conversations with him where we talk and we listen. Not just about what's going on in our day, but about what he might want, what's on his heart. I mean, sometimes in the morning when I'm putting my makeup on, I'll just be talking to God. Father, what's in your heart today? What do you want today? Who, who can I just send a little encouraging message to today? Who do you want me to just say hello to today and check on today? God, I know I've got a full day, a busy day, but I put my agenda aside for a moment to just hear from you. Those are the thoughts that get God involved in our lives, our prayer time, our talking to him about anything and everything and listening to what he has to say. Reading the word where we actually know what we read. Focusing on his word. And, and as we read, saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me. May your word be alive in my heart. Speak to me through your word today. Glean insight and fresh revelation from his word. He wants us to have those times where we expend our thought life on worship, worshiping him from the depths of our being, where it's not just words coming out our mouth, but we're, we're worshiping with all that we are, really truly meaning what we're singing to him, not just having background music going on, but really expending our thoughts on worshiping the king of kings, thoughts on others, who he would have us to reach out to. Those are God thoughts. He wants us to be focused on others, not just busy, like, oh, I think I'll do this with her today, and I'll do this, and I'll do this, da, 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 da. I'll see this one, da, da, da. We need to ask God who he wants us to reach out to, to be there for. Those are God thoughts, fruitful God thoughts. See, there is a battle out for our thoughts. So we've got to first and foremost start recognizing where we expend our thought life. So if you take those categories and maybe others that come to your mind and just think for a moment about what you think about, what would you come up with? If you had to sit down and write down the categories of where your thoughts mostly lie, 
Where would it be? What categories would fill the majority of your thought life? Think about it for a minute. In fact, I want us to do something. Just take, we're just going to take like 15 seconds or so. Just close your eyes and just think about your thoughts yesterday, this week, maybe even this morning before you got here. What filled your thought life? Maybe for some, it's hard to even know. Maybe for some, you're scratching your head going, what do I think about? Maybe for some, you recognize areas that you're like, hmm, I give a little too much thought into this area or that area. Expend my thought life on things that, that aren't really all that fruitful. Maybe I could expend a little more of my thoughts on more fruitful God things. That's not to say that we can't read about recipes or gardening or any of that. Of course we can. But we just need to be women who start recognizing what we think about. Okay? So that's the first thing. If we're going to take thoughts captive, be women who recognize what we think about. And then secondly, we've got to be women who know what God's Word says. Who knows what God thinks about? Because his word is what he thinks about everything. His word is full of wisdom for our everyday living, our everyday lives, every situation that we can encounter. His word has wisdom for our finances. The Bible has so much to say about how we handle our money. It has wisdom for how we navigate every relationship in life. It has wisdom and promises for health and healing. It has direction for us on the words that we speak, what we should speak, what we shouldn't speak, when we should speak, when we shouldn't speak. It has direction for us and wisdom to help us grow in strength and courage, to help us gain more peace in everyday life. It's hope for our lives. It brings comfort to us. The Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. We've got to be women who know what God says, who know what he says about all the situations of life that we face. And that doesn't mean we have to be overwhelmed by it and think, oh my gosh, I have to memorize this entire Bible. But it means that we need to be familiar with it. We need to be in this word regularly. I want you to look at this verse with me in Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This word that we've been given, this sword that we've been given is so incredibly powerful, far more powerful than any natural sword far more powerful than your average sword, far more powerful than even a two-edged sword is what it says. The word, it, I love this, it says, even to the division of soul and spirit. What is our soul? Our mind, our will, our emotions, the ways of our flesh come into play there. This word will show us what is of the spirit and what is of our flesh. It says that it's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When we spend time in the word, it shows us where we've got wrong motives. It shows us where our thoughts don't line up with God's word. So we've got to be in the word so that we know that, so that we can recognize that and know what God says about our situation. You see, when the word is alive in us, it reveals those thoughts to us. It reveals motives that are contrary to God's ways. And as we meditate on his word, as we believe his word, you know what it'll do? It'll annihilate the lies of the enemy. It'll annihilate everything that is contrary to God in our lives and set us free. But you know what? Very often, 
This word isn't alive in us. And you might say, well, it's the word of God. It's alive. It's active. It's powerful. It is. But we don't always let it be alive in us because we're living on stale word that we heard three weeks ago the last time we were in church. It's okay. You can smile at me. <laughs> That's why it's so important that we just keep the word alive in our hearts. How many of you know who Marilyn Hickey is? Okay, a good number of you. For those who don't, Marilyn Hickey, she is up in years now, but she and her husband pastored in Colorado for years, and she's, she's been a minister of the gospel, I would say, for well over 50 years. And she, throughout her life, has done... Um, just amazing missions crusades all over the world. Tens of thousands of people coming into stadiums and where she's preached the gospel and seen so many salvations and so many miracles. She's an amazing woman of faith. And probably 15, 16 years ago, when I was on staff at Cottonwood Church in Orange County, she came to speak on a couple of occasions. And I had the opportunity to go pick her up from the hotel and bring her to the meetings. And she was the most gracious woman. And she'd always visit and ask about me and just so sweet. But then she would always say this in the car. She would always say, do you mind if I practice my memory verses? Well, sure. <laughs> of course, go right ahead. And she would start quoting scripture. One verse, another, 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 another. She would quote chapters, chapter after chapter. She's memorized books of the Bible. And every day, she just adds one more verse. But every day, she starts at the beginning. She first memorizes that new verse, but then she starts where she began memorizing and would just quote through and include that new verse amazing. So she would spend hours meditating on the word, memorizing the word, and it so inspired me. I thought, wow, this is a woman who has chosen what to devote her thought life to. You see, we can just let our thoughts run amok and rule us and just think on whatever thing they want to think on. Or we can take them captive. We can take our thought life captive and tell it what it's going to think on and choose to think on more of the word. Does that mean we need to think on the word 24 hours a day? You probably have a few other things that you th need to navigate throughout the course of the day, but we can involve God in everything throughout the course of the day. And we can learn to expend a little bit more of our thought life on God and his word. Would anyone agree with that? Yeah. All right. So we've got to learn what we're thinking about. Become so aware of it. And then we've got to know what God thinks about, what his word says. We've got to know his word. And then lastly, number three, our job is to be that warrior who will replace anything contrary to God, any thought, any motive, any purpose, any anything, anything, reasonings and theories within us that are contrary to God will replace them with his word. So how do we lead that? We already, I mean, how do we do that? We already established that 2 Corinthians 10 said, we lead every thought captive. We don't wait for God to do it. He loves us so much that he gives each one of us a will. And here is one of our opportunities to exercise our will and choose to use the sword he has given us, this word, to annihilate every thought, everything that is contrary to him so that we can choose to live according to the spirit. So that's pretty easy to say, but how do we really do that? How do we walk it out? Let's look at a couple of examples. If you've got your Bibles, flip to Philippians 4. We're just going to look at a couple verses that really talk about our thoughts and what goes on up here. Starting in verse 6 of Philippians 4. You guys good? You still with me? 
All right. Philippians 4 and verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing. Wow. Does that mean that thoughts of anxiety are contrary to God's word if he's telling us not to be anxious? Yeah, it does. What does anxiety really mean? Anxiety literally means an uneasiness because of fear, fear of danger or misfortune. It means to be greatly worried. So the word is telling us not to be anxious, not to be fearful, not to be worried. So when we have those kinds of thoughts, when we're worrying, when we're fearful or anxious, it's contrary to God's word. So what do we do with that? Because we all get those thoughts that cause us to be a little bit anxious. We all have opportunities to be a little bit fearful or to worry, right? Maybe you never have opportunities for that. I don't know, but I do. <laughs> and l let me just share one example with you. I remember many, many years ago, I was moving out of one house that had sold and was going to be moving into another house. Well, the new house wasn't ready when it was supposed to be for us to move in. And so the sold house someone else was going to be moving in. <laughs> so we had to move out of that house and then found out basically at the last minute that the new house was not ready and we couldn't move in yet. So here we are, boxes packed, not knowing where we're going, what to do. It could have been a little bit stressful. Moving is just stressful in and of itself. <laughs> and then to find that out, oh no, what? are we going to do? And we're trying to figure out where do we go? What do we do? We don't know how long a period of time this is going to be. And nothing seemed to be working out. Every, every place that we checked, everyone we talked to just seemed like closed doors, nothing. And it was opportunity for some worry, for some anxiety and a little bit of fearfulness. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But it was also a really good opportunity for me to find out what God said about it and to learn this verse. Okay, God, you said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. So I began to do that. I said, okay, God, I need you help. Anybody ever pray those kinds of prayers? I need your intervention. And I began to pray and ask for his direction and his help. And in the meantime, doing everything I knew to do, check on different situations that I could check on, not just sitting back and eating bonbons, waiting for God to drop something in my lap. We've got to do our part too, right girls? But I began to pray and ask God for his intervention. And then I began to give him thanks, like it says here in this verse, with thanksgiving. I began to look up his different promises to me, say, okay, God, I thank you that you will intervene. I thank you that you are with me. Your word says that you will never leave me. You will never forsake, forsake me. Your word says that you are my provider. Your word says that you supply my every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And this is a need, God. See it right here, okay? I want to make sure you know, God. I need your intervention and I thank you that you're my God. And I just began to thank him and just to keep myself immersed in those verses, replacing my thoughts of fear and anxiety and worry with the promises in God's word. And you know what happened? He worked out a miracle. Was it in advance and in timing that made me comfortable? No, it was literally at midnight, the, the night before the eight o'clock in the morning, the moving truck was coming and we didn't know where to tell the moving truck to go. <laughs> Midnight, <laughs> just hours before. That made me a little uncomfortable, but I think God loved it <laughs> because it was a time to stretch me and to make me cling to him. And 
See, what happens is when we do that, when we're in those situations, when we cling to his word and say, okay, this word is a sword. And right now I may fear, feel worried. I may feel anxious and not know what to do, but God, I choose to cling to your word. And when we meditate on his word and not just skim past it and then go right back to our worrying, but meditate, cause our thoughts to be fixed on his promises. It becomes that sword that goes in and pierces and annihilates the other other thoughts, the thoughts of worry, the thoughts of anxiety. And then before we know it, we're at rest in God's promises. God worked a miracle. And I think as as I sat back and said, oh God, thank you. Thank you. You're so wonderful. I think in times like that, God is looking at us and saying, thank you for letting me do what I want to do in your life. See, he always wants to do this, but he needs us to let him, to cooperate with him. Ladies, can I just share with you a little bit more about fear and anxiety, these thoughts? We've got to be so, so proactive with them. We can't let them dwell there. We've got to take them captive at the onset because you know what will happen if we don't take those thoughts of fear and anxiety captive? They will continue and they will become a stronghold in our lives if we are not careful. In the verses we read in 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us that we can pull down strongholds But can I tell you that it is much easier to pull down a thought than it is to pull down a stronghold. And if we start pulling down those thoughts before they become strongholds, we'll be a step ahead. It will be easier for the next time and the next time. But if we don't deal with them, then they become strongholds in our lives. Do you know what a stronghold literally means? It means a fortified place which is a position that has been strengthened and strengthened and strengthened and reinforced over and over, over time. It's a place where one comes to rely and has a false sense of security. It's a place that becomes bondage. So we've got to recognize how important it is to take those thoughts captive, use this sword, replace those thoughts with God's word and what he says. We can, with his words, tear down strongholds. Maybe you feel like there's been strongholds that have been built up in your life. God's word tells us we can tear down strongholds. We do it one thought at a time, breaking the bondage of fear by finding God's promises that apply to that situation and choosing, choosing to believe it more than we believe that thought of fear, that thought of anxiety and worry. One thought at a time, finding freedom from that one and then the next one and then the next one. No matter where we're at, no matter if it's a new thought or a recurring stronghold in our lives, God's word is that sword that will tear that thing down if we allow it to. We've been given weapons, girls but we've got to choose to exercise them. We've got to choose to exercise the sword of the Spirit. And then when we go forward in this word, it will annihilate everything contrary to God and his ways. I want, we're we're getting almost out of time, but I'm going to share one more thing with you. Is that okay? All right. We just read in verse 6 there, in Philippians 4, verse 7, it says, and, continuing on, after we realize we don't have to be anxious, anxious for nothing, we give it to God, he intervenes, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When we choose to break free from those thoughts of fear and anxiety and worry, we receive God's peace. It floods our hearts and minds. Not a natural peace, but a very supernatural peace. And then lastly, verse 8, and I think this is probably one of the most comprehensive verses in the Bible regarding what we should be thinking about. And it says, Finally, brethren, whatever 
shall we say, cistern, <laughs> whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate, what does that mean? That doesn't just mean think on, it means think on and think on and think on and think on and think on. It means constantly think on these things. Set our thought life on these things. So what's the opposite of some of those things? Think on the things that are true, it says. But a lot of times we think on things that are false, like the lies from the enemy, like you're no good, you don't fit in, you don't belong there. There's nothing ahead for you. God doesn't have purpose for your life. All of those things are false. They are lies from the enemy. He says, think on what is true, the truth of God's word. So we've got to take our sword and replace those things with the truth of God's word, that he has a future and a hope for us, that we're created in his image and in his likeness, that he loves us, that he's furnished us and equipped us for good works, getting into God's word, knowing his promises and replacing those lies with the truth, thinking on truth, not thinking on anything else. Okay? And then it says we should be thinking on things that are lovely. Anyone ever had any unlovely thoughts or shall we say unloving thoughts towards anyone else? Hmm, we need to find what's lovely and think on those things. It says we need to be thinking on the good report. Maybe you've had a bad report. You know what? We cannot allow our thoughts to dwell there. He says, think on the good report. The good report is right here in this word. We need to find the good report for that situation. Maybe it's a health situation. Discover that the word says that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Dig into his word. Find out what he has to say and annihilate that bad report with the sword of the spirit, the word of God. I want to touch on one last thing that this verse says. It says we should think on things that are praiseworthy. Hmm. Have you ever wanted to focus on something about someone that wasn't exactly praiseworthy? Maybe a difficult child had some qualities that you just didn't feel like were so praiseworthy, and that's where your focus was. Maybe on another family member or friend. We tend to focus on those things, the negative things that we want them to fix, because they need to get that right. <laughs> but God sees us in all of our potential. He doesn't see our weaknesses, He doesn't look at our failures, our shortcomings. And He doesn't want us to look at our own or others. He wants us to find the things that are lovely, find the things that are praiseworthy, and think on those things. Can I just talk to the wives for a second in this place? How many of you are married women in this place? When you were engaged to your husband or dating your husband, there were things that you were attracted to about him, these wonderful strengths in his life. But then after you've been married for a little while, something happens. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the focus seems to shift onto some not so lovely things. And then off of that thing that you were attracted to. Maybe you were attracted to your husband because he was so fun and spontaneous and, and fun-loving and just a free spirit, and you just thought that was so neat. And now all you can see is that he doesn't pick up his socks, <laughs> and he leaves a trail behind him. Part of the things that sometimes go along with that free spirit, fun-loving personality. <laughs> You know what? We tend to focus on the weakness, on the negative. And if we change that, because we all want to try to change that, but we've got to realize if we change that, we change the strength. Because there's weaknesses and strengths that are attached to each other that come 
together as part of the package. But we, before, when we were dating, we focused on the strength. And then we can shift and focus on the weakness. Ladies, we've got to be careful as wives, as, as moms, as friends, as other family members to not focus on weaknesses, to not focus on the things that might not be so praiseworthy at the moment. We need to find the things that are praiseworthy, that are lovely, and think on those things. And maybe you're sitting here right now and you think, I don't think there is anything. <laughs> Can I just tell you there is? I promise you there is. Because God has created every one of us in his image, in his likeness. He has put amazing potential in us. He sees our potential. If we can't see anything praiseworthy in the natural, we sure can see all kinds of amazing God potential in that person to focus on. And if we get our thought life lined up with this scripture, thinking on these things, it is amazing what God will do. We need to allow him to work in us, through us, in that way, letting him do what he wants to do as we just align our thought life with his word. I know a woman who is the director of a school for very troubled youth. Now, many of these kids have been in and out of foster system. Some have been in and out of juvenile hall. And she says that most people looking at these kids would see the 98% that's bad in their lives, the bad attitudes, the bad language, the bad behavior, all of this stuff, the bad upbringing, all of the negative. She says, there might be 98% that looks bad, but we choose to see the 2% good. We don't look at the bad. We don't acknowledge the bad. We don't talk about the bad. We zoom in and focus on what is praiseworthy. This scripture is the foundation for what she does. They focus on the lovely. They focus on the praiseworthy. And that 2% grows, becomes 4%, becomes... 10% becomes 20% becomes 60%. Ladies, there is power. You do not know what can happen when we just align our thoughts with God's thoughts. He will do amazing things. And as we do that, you know what we're doing? We're wielding our sword. We're taking that word, we're applying it, we're working it into our lives. And that transformation process is happening on the inside of us. Exactly what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. I want us just to pray together for a moment. Father, God, I'm so grateful for your word. So grateful for truth that you've given us. And God, we want to be women who don't just know about your word, but live in your word and put it to work in our lives. God, I pray that we wouldn't be here today and just hear and go on our way, but God, I pray that you'd show us how to really work your word into every area of our lives. Show us how to be those warrior chicks that know how to wield that sword of the spirit that you've entrusted to us. Help us to be good stewards of your word, that sword that you've put in our hands, God. Father, where there are areas that we need to make adjustments, where there are areas where we're focusing our thought life on things that that we don't need to be focused on. God, show us. Holy Spirit, reveal that to us individually and show us how we can be more effective and more fruitful, pouring more of your word into our everyday thoughts, God, dwelling in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.